we were doing our servant team retreat literally the two days before this started. And Russ actually talked about being faithful with them. And I've been thinking through this whole idea of being faithful with little. And it's something that kind of released us from a lot of pain in ministry, I think. It was encouraging, and that'll come up in a minute. But I wanted to start out by reading Luke 16.10, which most everybody in here has probably quoted a thousand times. Okay, Austin, you want to read that? Sure. It says that he who is faithful, this is Jesus talking, I think. Mm-hmm. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Yeah, so faithful with little and faithful with much. We talk about that in ministry a lot. We talk about being faithful with little and all this. And I think practically in Aaron and my life about two summers ago, this really freed us. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says that a minister must be found faithful, right? 1 Timothy 1.12 says that we've been found faithful, so he's put us in ministry. So there's this connection. And then Aaron was just reading in our quiet time this morning from Proverbs 11, verse 3. The integrity of the upright guides them. The unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. We have this faith acronym, faithful, available, interactive, teachable, heart for God, that we always talk about applying to the students that we want to disciple. But it's interesting to note, I was thinking about it, God kind of applied that acronym to us before putting us into ministry. Not that we're perfect there that God really evaluated whether or not we were going to be faithful before he put us in this ministry. So being faithful with little has two parts, and as you read this, Austin, I hope these were very obvious. The first part is the faithful part, and the second part is the little part. He didn't just say be faithful, but he said be faithful with little. And actually, in that translation, be faithful with the very little. And then comes being faithful with the more afterwards. So the big idea that I think was freeing to us was being faithful with little for the sake of the little. I had always seen being faithful with little as the stepping stone to the larger. That's just how I always viewed it. And so in ministry, when you pour your heart and soul and blood and tears and time and energy into students that turn around and kind of slap you in the face, or this one year, one of the guys almost physically fought me at a weekly meeting. And Remember that? He pulled back to like hit me, and then he stopped. And this was a guy on our servant team, <laughs> and several of the guys did similar things to Russ, and in our servant team meetings, we had very high tense aggression and butting of heads, not just butting of heads, but, I mean, we refuse to put in our mission statement that we want to reach all the students on this campus with the gospel. Like, we will not, we will not agree to that being in our purpose statement, you know. Uh, it was hardcore, and so me, I'm thinking, well, we've been faithful, God, why aren't you allowing us to be faithful with more now? Why Why this? You know, Why are these students here and not the next level? Because we've been faithful with little. And so what kind of freed us, Aaron and I, uh, was this idea of being faithful with little for the sake of the little. I wasn't being faithful with little in their lives so that they would turn around and reach everybody on campus. I mean, I hope they will. But I was just being faithful with little in their lives just because that's what God gave me to be faithful with. And... I trust the results to him, like everything else I do. And it was kind of really freeing, and I'll mention it in a minute, but it was freeing because I wasn't responsible. I did what God called me to do, and that was that. I didn't need the next big thing to happen in order for my expectations to be met. 
But I think up until that time, I'd been thinking that. So what little areas do we need to be faithful with? Why don't you guys throw it out? What do you think? In ministry, quiet time. Something I just read the other day was um, yeah, just sharing what he's teaching us. You say with our finances, being faithful to give? Absolutely. Our family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marriages, family, finances. Keeping your word, you say you're going to do mm-hmm. that. Keeping your word. Even with little things. Yeah. Would people ask you to pray, actually pray about it? Yeah, prayer, I think, is huge. So anyway, what little areas do we need to be faithful with? Keep thinking about that just as we share some of these things because that's where God's taken us back to is what little areas does he want us to be faithful with. That's what's important to him. So what is faith? Aaron and I kind of came up with our own definition for faith. We were thinking in a practical sense, how should we view faith? So we decided for our lives, faith is doing our part, expecting God to do his. And our part is usually very small, whether it's just saying something or whether it's just sharing something as i do my part expecting god to do his part that's when god really works and like i said oftentimes that part is extremely small an interesting thing heard ravi talking about this in hebrew there's no word for faith and this this is interesting to me in hebrew there's no word for faith the only word for faith in hebrew is faithfulness so they didn't see faith as as a mindset they saw faith as a lifestyle so faith was action, always, in, in Hebrew. If the actions weren't there, there was no faith. Faith was faithfulness. They didn't have a word faith. It had to be faithfulness. It had to be shown in my lifestyle. And so, again, this is uh, just doing my part. It's taking the action. It's taking the step of faith that God's called me to, expecting him to do his part. And in ministry, Second Timothy 4, 5 says, discharge the duties of your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. And so I think back to what is it that we've been called to be faithful with. It's this ministry that God's put us in. That he found us faithful. He put us into the ministry. And now I am called to discharge the duties of that ministry. Like Kyle was saying, just being faithful with my contacts. So anyway, I think it goes back to intimacy, which requires trust, which is built incrementally through a series of small steps. That's why the little is so important. When Aaron and I first started hanging out, I did not ask her to marry me the next week. That would have been a very large step that would have probably destroyed any potential the relationship could have had at that time. But through a series of small and incremental steps, trust was built and relationship was built. And intimacy was acquired. And I think it's the same way with us and God. As we're faithful with little, we're developing that intimacy, which is the whole reason that we're being faithful in the first place. And so if I were to just do some huge thing for the sake of doing some huge thing, I don't think it's necessarily building a strong connection with God. But every day in every situation, as I'm faithful with little, I know that my intimacy with him is growing. So faith must be grown. This is something that we've hit with our students. You were talking about it last night, Austin, the faith muscle. But Romans 12.3 says that we've each been given a measure of faith. In other words, you're never going to get more faith <laughs> as long as you live. And our students always think that sounds sacrilegious to say. You cannot get more faith. But the point is, is 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about our faith being grown through what we do. And it was specifically talking about how it was made complete through what they had been doing, which specifically was reaching their entire area for Christ. So as they are trusting him and serving him, their faith was made complete. James 2.22, again, says that our faith is made complete through what we do. So we get this idea that our faith muscle, like Austin was talking about, it grows through use, just like 
I never get more muscles, right? God doesn't say, oh, you want to be huge? Here's an extra bicep. I have to use the biceps he's already given me to become stronger and capable of more. But I have to use whatever weight my bicep is at right now. You know, if you gave me a 75-pound barbell, I'm not going to be able to handle it. But I could probably handle 30. I need to use where I'm at and build incrementally up to the larger. That's why that faithful with little is so important in that growth. And again, it goes back to James 1.22 and applying God's word exactly where I'm at. James, I love it. He talks so much about faith, but in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he talks about God testing our faith. And the result of that being perseverance, which produces completeness and, and literally maturity and perfection in our walk with God. So as I'm trusting God and as I'm walking through different trials, being faithful just with the little things for the sake of the little things, God is making me perseverant in ministry. He's making me complete and mature in ministry. So I guess for me, the freeing thing is the ministry isn't the most important thing in God's mind, but I am. My development is more important than how many kids come to connect. It's the same in each of their lives. Their development is the most important thing to him. So being faithful with little equals just that one step of faith at a time, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Taking that step that God's called me to take. This lodge, I think, is being faithful with little. If you would have asked us to raise money for this lodge five years ago, it would not have been being faithful with little. I think as Russ has shown faithfulness with this lodge, and as each of us individually have shown faithfulness in our personal ministries, God is saying, okay, Here's the next step for you guys to trust me with. Something bigger than what's happened in the past, but it's the right next step. If God said, trust me for $20 million, <laughs> I don't think we would be in the right place to do that. But if you ask Campus Crusade for Christ to trust God with $20 million, they could probably do it because that might be a, an appropriately small step for them to take. Does that make sense? They've taken the million-dollar step already, and they've gone on to the next. What's that? Yeah. She's really talking. Yeah, and so the idea is the step that I need to take is what God's after. He's not after the fruit or the object of our ministry or the plans that we have, but just after that step. So being faithful with little for the sake of the little literally means that the little is not a stepping stone to the big, but the little itself is my focus because that little is where intimacy with God is developed. So where are you at in life and ministry? Uh, I know for Aaron and I, evaluating that question and realizing what are my expectations for where I want to be in ministry versus the little that God's called me to be faithful with in ministry. Those are two contrasting issues. I think back to the year before our first year on staff, I think it was your first year on staff, where 67 people came to Christ and 70 were being discipled and I think over 20 Bible studies. And I look at that as, as kind of the standard. Our ministry should be there. But that's not what God's called me to do. That's his job. He's called me to be faithful today. So I think evaluate where you're at in life and ministry and what is it that God wants you to be faithful with as far as the little things. Where are you at in life and ministry? 1 Corinthians 7.17, 7, talking specifically about marriage, but appropriate. It says, let each man remain in the position that God has put him. And I think for me, that's always encouraging. I don't have to put myself in a new situation. God's put me somewhere. I'm going to be faithful where God's put me. 1 Corinthians 10.31, doing it for his glory and working with all my energy, Colossians 3.23, serving him, not myself. Now, here's a really interesting passage that Aaron discovered as we were reading through the Bible together last year. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, David is anointed to be king of Israel. But he's a shepherd boy. He's out in the middle of nowhere. What are the odds Saul's just going to hand over the kingdom? 
You know, we see later that's not his intention at all. He wants to kill this guy because he's scared of of him taking over the throne. So God says, you're going to be king, David. This is what God has called David to. But there isn't a practical way that that can happen yet. Now, if I were David, I would probably naturally think, what do I have to do to step into what God's called me to, right? Oh, I must have to move to Jerusalem. (laughs) Or I must have to go kill Saul because I'm supposed to be king. I could come up with a million wrong ways to try and step into what I know God's called me to. But instead, this is what's so cool. In verse 14, the very next verse, Saul starts to say, wow, does anybody know somebody that's good at playing instruments that could play for me? (laughs) The very next verse. And his, his attendants in verses 14 through 23 say, oh, we know this guy, the son of Jesse. His name is David. He plays the harp, and he's really amazing, and he's strong, and he's good looking, and he would be a great guy to come here. And so Saul sends for David and says, why don't you come right into the palace and play for me? And Aaron and I were reading this, and Aaron goes, holy cow, God was opening David's doors. God was putting David where David needed to be. David didn't have to open his own doors. God was just saying, here you go. I'm going to put you right into the palace, and I'm going to put you right into the king's service, and I'm going to put you right where you need to be to be stepping in to what I've already called you to. And it reminds me of Revelation 3.8, Russ's favorite verse, how God's put us before an open door, and we have a little bit of strength. And the reason that he's put us before that open door is because we haven't denied his name. And I I think through, why am I before an open door? Why are you before an open door? It's not because you are the best minister or speaker or teacher or whatever in the world. There are plenty of those. (laughs) It's because we're just being faithful with the little that God's called us to, not denying his name. We're, We're willing to share our faith. We're willing to be obedient to the small things, to quiet times, like Rhonda was saying, to my daily time with him, to our marriages, our families. And out of that, God's saying, okay, you've been faithful, you've honored me, I'm going to put an open door before you. And I don't know what that open door necessarily looks like. It seems right now it looks a lot like Wilderness Mountain Lodge. It seems like it looks somewhat like Crush Fear Summer Projects. seems like it looks like more staff on our team and possibly that multiplying into a few new couples. It seems like it means a lot of things, and I guess only God knows for sure what all it means. But we're just going to be faithful with little, trusting God to open the doors that he wants to open in front of us that we get to walk through. So what is the little that we're called to be faithful with? A lot of you guys had some great stuff to this fellowship with him, prayer and the word. Really? Eliana is going to be a talker. Fellowship with our family, our relationships with our wives and husbands, action-oriented encouragement of other believers, the Great Commission, golly, what if what if we decided we weren't going to share our faith on our campuses anymore? How many open doors would God continue putting before us? Or what if we decided that discipleship was, was negotiable? It's not worth doing. Or we'll disciple people by reading some Christian magazine together. Again, Second Timothy 4, 5, when he says, Discharge the duties of your ministry. It says, do the work of an evangelist, right? It goes back to this, this key issue. Prayer. This is, this is great. Let's read Jeremiah 10, 21 and 12, 10 through 11. Because this, I think, is something that God's been working on my heart a lot lately is just prayer. 10, 21 and 12, 10 through 11. Mitch, would you like to read those? For the shepherds have become stupid and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered and all their flocks have scattered. Many shepherds have ruined my vineyard and have trampled down my field. They have made my pleasant field a desolate wilderness. It has been made a desolation. 
desolate it longs before you. The whole land has been made desolate because no man leaves it to part. Yeah, so when leaders are senseless and don't inquire of the Lord, when leaders are senseless and don't pray, it says that we fail and our flocks are scattered and we end up not caring and we end up trampling God's work, making it a desolate and parched wasteland. Think, wow, how much is prayer being faithful with little? Just am I praying for the people that God's entrusted me or not? Because if I'm not praying for them, I'm literally trampling down the work of God. Being faithful with the word. Remember Acts 6, 4. This is so cool. They say, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer, the disciples and apostles. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. The ministry of the word being specifically evangelism and teaching or discipleship, right? And so they were, they were just saying, look, we're going to be faithful with these things and that's it. And they're specifically saying, this is going back to this social gospel thing. They say, it would not be right of us to make our ministry waiting on tables, <laughs> talking specifically about feeding the needy uh, and the poor and the widows. They said that it would be wrong for us to do that. God's called us to be faithful with prayer and preaching and teaching. So what are we being faithful with, uh, and what do we need to do? What about serving others? That, to me, is huge. Just uh, Matthew 20 again, the greatest will serve the least. And in ministry, how can we be serving the least in our ministries? I'm not good at that. What if Cookie comes to me and says, she's done this. Nate, I have a chemistry question because she's a chem major. And I kind of, oh my God, that's great. Why don't you ask your teacher? Uh, you know, I have to do something important right now. Um, so how can we be serving the, the least in our ministries? What about being faithful with integrity, honesty, humility, uh, our support? Raising support, I think, is being faithful with little. It's saying, God, I'm going to trust you in, in this huge way and take steps. So what does faithfulness with little for the sake of the little practically look like in ministry? What do you guys think? I think it could be, um, one could be having good boundaries with our time, <laughs> saying yes to the right things and no to the good things, but maybe not the best things. Yeah. It's like making a real investment in the ministry, like... <laughs> For the sake of the little, that would mean investing in the student God has put in front of me, you know. Kyle talks about this all the time, about building relationships and not maybe not just meeting with someone an hour a week. And, like, yeah, that you can't do that with everyone, you know. Really investing in people and maybe having them over. I was going to say, it seems like investing in the little does not produce community Yeah. Like, if you don't invest in the family and our marriages... Mm-hmm. And not something you see immediately as well. You won't see any investments in her from 16 to 18. <laughs> no, and that's really hard. Take that, baby. When you're in such a high industry, mm-hmm. it puts a lot of emphasis on immediate results. Yeah. Just looking at your family, Aaron and I know we, we looked at your family as the highest example of a family that I know we've ever seen personally. Just your kids and their commitment to Christ and sharing their faith and their love for each other. And the fruit of your uh, faithfulness with little is, is very evident. And now it's making an impact, I know, in all of our lives and how we want to raise our kids, you know. 
so what are the results of faithfulness with little? Some of you guys shared some of that, but any any others? What are the results of faithfulness with little for the sake of the little in life and ministry? We learn the lessons we're supposed to learn the first time, and we become the people God wants us to be at the right time. Like, what does it produce in us? What does it produce in our ministries? I think there's a sense of being filled with joy. Like after yeah. realizing that little things that you've done and, and just tr- trust them to God, like actually come to bear fruit. So, you know, I think of like just students that I did sit down and have a hard conversation with and just thought it went kind of horrible or didn't really see any fruit from it, but it's like, oh, I did the right thing. And then later mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. you know, you find out that, you know, God really used that in their life or mm-hmm. really helped them take steps. But this guy, Dirk, literally, when I first had conversations with Dirk, he was the kind of kid who's like, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't know if we should be sharing the gospel. And we'd talk about, like, well, what do you think? You know, we'd have these hard conversations about God and the reality of what we really need. And what if, you know, God really is a God of wrath and judgment? Like, don't you think we need to be sharing the gospel? And he's like, I certainly don't want to ever offend anybody. The last thing I ever want to do is offend anybody. And I'm like, well, that's that's good. Don't want to be, you know, jerk or arrogant, but... He, uh, he was talking to some students afterwards, and he came up to me. He was so excited. He's like, I believe Austin. He's like, that guy, David, that you were talking to for a while? I was like, yeah. He's like, I gave him four laws like two weeks ago. He's like, and now he just told me today that he gave his life to Christ two nights ago. I was like, you are you kidding me? You know? And now here, just two days, or Friday, we're on Thursday, I guess we did this thing. He was so excited that this guy like trusted Christ wow. as a result of him having a conversation with me. He gave him a four laws booklet, and the guy read through it himself. But it was just like we even having a conversation about sharing your faith. Of faith you know, <laughs> right. he tried just as much as he could. You know? Yeah, right. But now he's excited to go follow this guy. My second year on full time staff, we didn't have a lot of joy. Our first year, actually, we didn't have a lot of joy. Our third year, we didn't have a lot of joy. Well, I mean, we were glad we were doing it. We knew it was the right thing to do, so there was some intrinsic joy in that. But I was thinking, we are being so stinking faithful. We're sharing our faith. We're doing discipleship. Where are the hundred people that are supposed to be at Connect? Why are our leaders almost getting into fistfights with us? I mean, you guys saw the good year and then the Trails West year. <laughs> Everything just collapsed. And, you know, I think all of us, if our joy was in... If we were thinking, I was faithful with little, so now, God, you're supposed to be giving us more to be faithful with, our joy is gone. And I think it goes to my expectations in ministry. If I'm faithful with little just for the sake of the little, my expectations don't deceive me. Because nobody can steal being faithful with little. It's like, nobody can say, no, you weren't faithful with that student. You're like, uh, actually, I was faithful with that student, and I have joy in that. You know, It doesn't matter what that student does. It doesn't matter if that student goes out and becomes like a serial killer. I was faithful with that student, and I have joy in that. (laughs) And so I know for me, when my expectations got on the right page, my joy in ministry increased dramatically. Because, I don't know, I think as a man, my and maybe for all this, but I know for me, I, I realized I was finding my identity in ministry. When everybody came to Connect, and everybody loved Connect, and everybody thought it was the best talk they ever heard, I felt like, finally the ministry's going right. (laughs) And when we had... A few times, like, 12 people show up for Connect, and none of them had good attitudes. I kind of took it personally, but this changed my perspective. I look at you guys, and I see this, you know. I look at Russ and Linda, who for 40 years have been faithful in ministry. And, you know, Russ, even in our town, it's not like Russ drives around town and everybody goes, there's the best minister in our town. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people think... 
he's still doing that college ministry, you know, like, why hasn't he, is, is that all he's capable of? I, I don't think so, because at our prayer meetings, everybody always says Russ is the most credible guy in town, and so they view him with more, but does that, that make sense for us, this attitude, and with me, too, you know, people always, like, so you guys do a, you guys do, like, a youth group? You guys have been faithful for decades, yeah. regardless of what, how people viewed what yeah. was going on, whether they thought it was a youth group or a this or that. Kyle and Mitch, for years, no. all alone, no staff, but being faithful. With and then, uh, gosh, Austin and Laura, you guys being faithful, I know your attitudes as your, as your no. team was having so many th- no. issues, you know? I can vouch that, Austin, I talked with you a lot, you had total humility and, and a desire to do anything you could to make it work. And Laura, just with your book that you're doing now, I mean, you're being faithful with little. You have no guarantee. What if nobody picks it up, nobody publishes it, you're spending all this time making all these phone calls and nothing? Well, you're being faithful with little. I know for me, when we went through those hard years, I felt like it would be wrong of God not to let me go through those hard years. Because I would begin to find my purpose in the results, not in him alone. And as you write this book and as you persevere in ministry and the Jesse and Rhonda, as you guys have persevered with low support and continued to, to raise support and all this, I mean, just being faithful and little, we're becoming who he wants us to be. And it reminds me of the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. The issue wasn't what they did so much, but it was how they used what God gave them or were they faithful with what God gave them. It wasn't like, ah, oh, I gave you five talents, you have to produce 452, you know. He just wanted him to be faithful with what he gave him, whether it was this many or that many. So ministry examples, I think of people like Henrietta Mears, faithful with little, a little Sunday school, maybe not so little. But a Sunday school, Bill Bright and Billy Graham coming out of that, all the impact that they've had worldwide. She probably died before most of their impact was fully realized, but in heaven she's probably thankful that she was faithful with little in that little Sunday school that God gave her to be faithful with. I think about what are what are your personal examples. You know, we've shared some of those. I know for me this year it was this pastor's prayer thing. I knew I just got to be faithful to shoot out this email. And you were holding me accountable to that, Austin. I didn't know what would happen, and I think it's beyond my expectations right now. We've only one week had less than 15 guys come, or 15 leaders, because there are some women that come, so I shouldn't say guys. It took me like three years to shoot out an email. <laughs> I wish I would have shot out that email three years ago. It, it was very little to be faithful with. So I want to read a very, very bad example. Well, actually, we don't even have to read it, but we can just share it. Numbers 20, verses 7 through 12, we find a bad example of being faithful with little. This is Moses, and so God tells Moses, go out there and speak to this rock, and you're going to have water for everybody. It's pretty simple, right? It's very little to be faithful with. I just have to say a few words. (laughs) So he goes out, and he hits this rock. Moses had something so simple to be faithful with, but instead he tried to force God's hand. He tried to reproduce previous ministry results. (laughs) I think when we were discouraged, why don't we have 120 people at Connect? Well... That was two years ago. I wanted to reproduce previous results. And God was saying, well, that, that's, that's history. You know, We have now to focus on. And I was like, Moses, oh, I'm going to hit the rock, God. It worked last time. God's saying, don't hit it. Just speak to it. And so Moses, he was not faithful with little. He did things his way. He was reactive, not proactive. He operated out of pride and anger. He was not acting in a godly way. He was being selfish. And as he tried to force God's hand reproducing previous results, what he ended up achieving was a lot of bad, right? Hebrews 12 talks about being disciplined as God's children. 
Well, he was disciplined by obviously not being able to, to go into the promised land. That's got to be hard. Could you imagine being the one that leads the Israelites out of Egypt and leads them through the wilderness? Your whole objective is getting to the promised land. That's all you are living for. And then God says, but you can't go in. You can only look at it, but you can't go in because you weren't faithful with little. And I know God is faithful even when we are faithless, Second Timothy 2.13. So I know we don't need to walk around going, oh, I wasn't faithful with little, so God's not going to bless our ministry. <laughs> I know that's not the right attitude. But on the flip side of the coin, I don't want to be like Moses where I say, I'm going to force God's hand or try and open my own doors or reproduce the ministry results that happened before or the ones that happened on a different campus. I think a lot of churches do, do this, you know. What's Saddleback doing? What's Rick Warren doing? We better do it here. And it's kind of like, no, you know, just get your eyes on Christ and, 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 and do Christ here. <laughs> you don't need to do, like, the 40 days of purpose in your church. Or maybe you do need to do the 40. I don't know. Or the prayer of Jabez, you know, everybody. I st we still have pastors going, holy cow, we're doing the prayer of Jabez. Wow. It's crazy, dude. <laughs> what is going on? But we, we don't need to look for this magic bullet or this, you know, this new formula. We just need to be faithful with the little that God's called us to with the motivation of doing it for the sake of the little. The Pharisees said they, they sought the praise of man rather than the praise that comes from God. And what blows my mind, in John 7, the Pharisees knew that Jesus was the Messiah. So the people were all asking, have the, have the leaders really come to the conclusion that he is the Messiah? And so, I mean, it was public knowledge that the Pharisees believed Jesus was the Messiah. But they just chose. We don't want to share our glory. We don't want to share, even with the Messiah himself. And so we're going to fight him. But yeah, so what are some good examples? And I'm, I am closing here. But I know for me, this is like, it goes so much to, to what keeps me in ministry is having this right idea. And it took about three years to figure this out. <laughs> I know two summers ago, we were burnt out. We were stressed out. We were frustrated. We just had our first miscarriage. The ministry had not been going according to our expectations. And we had lunch with uh, Chuck and Linda Perry from Telluride. We had lunch with them there in Durango, and they said, so how's it going, guys? And I remember remember we were just kind of like, is, we just feel drained emotionally, physically, in every way. Uh, we can't believe school starting in two weeks. We're not ready for it to start. We feel like we just need another summer to get ready for the next semester. And it was that week, I think, that we both decided together, we're going to be faithful with little for the sake of the little, not for the 100 people we want to see. Not for the 67 people coming to Christ like happened that one year. Not like, we're just for the sake of a little. And that's when my prayer life exploded. That year I started every day praying individually for all of our students, whether they were our servant team students or the ones that we hadn't seen in two months, you know. And uh, that's where we started uh, focusing so much more on uh, on the on the little things. And it reminds me of John, and then we had joy. Last year, not this year, but last year, and then this year has been joyful, but last year was probably the most joyful year that I've had since we went on full-time staff. And nothing huge happened, but my expectations changed. And so all of a sudden I could see with God's eyes what he was doing, and it was joyful. And, it, and it, I had passion in ministry, Romans twelve eleven, right? Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. If my focus is on serving the Lord, I have passion in ministry. If my focus is on the result of serving the Lord, the passion is gone. And we learn that kind of, I think, for real. But, okay, there's one story that's that's mentioned in all four Gospels, 
and in the book of Acts. I think it's the only story that's that's mentioned five times about Jesus' life and ministry, and it doesn't even have to do with Jesus. I guess indirectly it does. And I've shared this before in other talks, but it's John the Baptist who said he was not even worthy to untie Christ's sandals. You know, if if you ask me, what what do you want your ministry to stand for? I think I would love to see millions of people impacted for Christ. You know, I wouldn't say I want to untie somebody's shoes. And but John the Baptist, he's going. I'm not even worthy of untying his shoes. You know, he's not going. I need millions of people to make decisions for Christ. He had just real simple heart that I'm not even worthy of the little that God's calling me to be faithful with, uh, much less the big. And I remember that the disciples in Acts 5, they, they counted themselves, or they were overjoyed that they were counted worthy to suffer persecution. Can you imagine? They weren't going like Russ is saying, I should be on the loudspeakers. They weren't saying, a million people need to hear me. They're just going, man, praise God, we got to get beaten. <laughs> praise God that Stephen got martyred. Holy cow, what a cool deal. I mean, they were thanking God that they had been counted worthy of persecution. And their perspective in ministry was correct. They were very happy with the little for the sake of the little, not looking forward. They weren't seeing what they were doing as a stepping stone to something bigger. They were just thankful that they could be where they were at serving God. Uh, so those two examples are such a contrast. Moses saying, I'm going to strike it. I'm going to reproduce God's work. And, that, and then these disciples and John the Baptist just saying, I'm not worthy of any of this. I'm just thankful that God's put me here. And I know that when that's my heart, I have joy. I have passion. I have perspective. I have perseverance in ministry. I have hope in ministry. All that. So practically, what does it mean to be faithful with little for the sake of the little? Uh, no ministry is too small or below me. There's nothing that I am above doing. Uh, just being co-laborers with him is my purpose and joy. First uh, Corinthians three nine we talked about that and being the issue of prayer. Prayer being co-laboring with Christ. Support raising. Somebody was talking to me about raising a million dollars and saying, "Well, God's got to do it." But how are you guys trusting God? I forget what the conversation was. And as I was driving home, I was I was just thinking about it, and it occurred to me, just like prayer, just like ministry, just like every other area of life. When I raise support, I'm just co-laboring with Christ. He's bringing it in, but I get to co-labor with him in bringing it in. And that's that's a joyful thing. I get to work with God Almighty to accomplish something awesome. And uh, so I co-labor with him in life and relationships and prayer and support and ministry. Uh, the goal is that no matter what doors God opens, the little will continue being the context and focus. Does that make sense? Uh, right now, our little is raising a million dollars. Ten years from now, our little might be raising $10 million. But it's still going to be our little at that point. You know, We're not going to be going for $100 million. And I think as the little is my focus, not the big that I'm stepping towards, um, it keeps my perspective on God and not the big. And so I, th- I think the whole idea here is to never get out of the little. <laughs> no matter how many steps I've made, the little is always the focus. And uh, So ministry success is not measured by results but by faithfulness. Uh, we were talking a little bit about that the other night. The number of people that trust Christ is, is uh, God's business. My ministry success is going to be measured by, was I sharing my faith? Because <laughs> uh, if I wasn't, then I'm not being faithful. Um, it would be wrong of God to allow me to do the ministry for the ministry or for the results. Uh, God has to bring me to a place where I do the ministry just for him. Uh, and again, that's that was the lesson of our first few years on staff, is learning that it's for him. So uh, why for the little? 
I think the little is where everything important is formed, developed, realized, and achieved, both personally and in ministry. Uh, the character that God wants in me never comes through the big. <laughs> it always comes through the little. True trust in God comes in the little things. Authentic motives. I think God is so interested in my motives. And motives are not shown in the big, right? Like if, if I got asked to be the keynote speaker at a conference with 10,000 people, I'm being very honest with you, my motives would not be right. <laughs> I hope that God could develop them to be right, but I'd be like, heck yeah, blah, blah, blah. I can't wait, you know. Uh, but when God says, oh, yeah, you got to do your Bible study. And by the way, only three guys are showing up, even though you've been on staff for five years. <laughs> it's kind of like, what are you talking about, God? More than three guys should show up, you know. But when I'm faithful there, my motives are where they need to be. And it's laying the foundation and character for everything else that God wants. Correct ministry expectations and perspective come out of that. Perseverance, joy. about the Bible study thing? Yeah. I, and it fits in. I just think this whole thing, like, um, being faithful with the little, and when you're really doing it with the right motives, it's your view of people change. Yeah. And so when you're faithful mm-hmm. with the little, like, those three people are so important, mm-hmm. you know, when you have the right motives. I think I've learned that a lot. It's like that Howard Hendricks quote. Glad you did well with a hundred grand. Now, what can you do with just twelve? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Am I gonna? Am I able to be faithful with twelve <laughs> or fewer? Um, I want intimacy with God and His blessing in my life and ministry, and my focus has to be on the little to achieve those things. The little, and um, Him. And ultimately, <laughs> the goal of all this is Colossians one ten, pleasing Him in every way, and and. Finally, and eventually, hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, Matthew 25. That's the goal of our lives and ministries. I know when I stand before God, I'm not going to really care how many people attended that one conference or how many branches we came up with. I think just hearing the words, well done, good, faithful servant, will uh, be the most surpassing joy anybody could ever experience. So that's all I have, is just the greatest will be least. And I wanted to close with a couple questions and... But what areas of ministry are hardest to be content with, and how do you see those as important in your personal and ministry life? And how is God using them in your personal and ministry life? So what are the small, hard things that aren't fun, and how are they developing me? But I just wanted to encourage each of you with something that God's just been encouraging us with, and that is just that being faithful with little is its this key to ministry, joy, and peace, and perspective, and